The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. Welcome home. How was your uh, crazy trip to Los Angeles? What were you doing there? I went there on a fact-finding mission to see how the Los Angeles Kings conducted their in-game music and video production because I have a new company called Major League Mixes and we're doing this for the Toronto Maple Leafs and hopefully we'll line up some other NHL teams. Did you know that when Jack Nicholson makes a movie, they schedule the shooting of the film around his L.A. Kings tickets? <laughs> L.A. Kings or, or I think you're thinking L.A. Lakers. Oh, that's right. One of them's with a ball. The other one's with what? With a puck. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sure you. Yeah, we've had these sport ball conversations. You just don't... <laughs> I should never have brought it up. No, don't bring it up. And Jack doesn't go to as many Laker games as he used to anymore. Anyway, it was a very interesting time at the Staples Center. And spent some time staying at the Sunset Marquee Hotel, where all the drug, um, the, all the rock stars go to get uh, drugged up. Do, do they not go to that hotel basically to overdose? Isn't that what it's known for? You can because it's a very private hotel. I mean, when you sign in, you actually have to sign a series of pledges. One of them is a no party pledge. There's nothing there but a, a, a no overdose pledge. So it's all in the fine print. <laughs> From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Boeing patents the force field. We'll tell you why it's not going to protect you like Master Chief anytime soon, though. Got 40 grand and a death wish? A real-life Tron light cycle can be yours if you don't mind traveling at high speed 28 inches off the ground. Taylor Swift's porn websites. The songstress has a plan to prevent others from cashing in on her uh, assets. And our limited edition Sonos Play One raffle continues. We'll tell you how you can win this sweet piece of swag for just a buck. Michael Have you seen this? Boeing is patenting the force field. No, come on. They've got this patent um, that they're working on with the U.S. military for what is uh, essentially an electromagnetic arc. Now, here's the upside. Um, it will help repel the impact of shockwaves and shrapnel from a nearby IED, but it doesn't actually stop bullets. And because of the flash that occurs when it's triggered, it actually will blind the soldiers from seeing what they're supposed to be shooting at. Okay, we haven't quite got shields yet. No. But we're getting closer. Apparently. So the patent, which was first filed in 2012, was just approved this week. It uh, claims the shield will be generated by lasers. Uh-huh. Now, evidently, my cycloptic colleague informs me that that can't be done. Uh, can you remind me what I pay you people for? Honestly, throw me a bone here. The shield will not permanently surround the target, but it, as I say, only appears briefly after an explosion. So the idea being is that you've got multiple sensors on, say, a Humvee, and it can tell where that IED exploded, which direction, and then trigger the force field in just that direction so that the windows don't get shattered out and, and things like that. But it would not protect you from 
somebody pointing a gun at you. Not yet. Okay, so so this is not a containment thing. It's actually a force field-ish thing around a vehicle. It's a defensive measure. It's a defensive measure. This, of course, as we know, with Moore's Law, is just the beginning. Oh, sure it is. Once you figure out the physics of this and do a little bit more experimenting, I, sure, absolutely. I'm surprised we don't have, you know, along with hoverboards, I'm surprised we don't have our force fields already. The plasma shield will deflect light, so you're completely blind in the event this is, is triggered. It's called the Defense Science and Technology Laboratory that put this back together. They, they actually first started working on this about five years ago uh, as a, a branch of the U.S. military, the Ministry of Defense. Um, they figured that if they have super capacitors inside the armor plates of a vehicle, Vehicle, that will give them the electrical charge necessary to trigger it. The problem is, is that once you drain the supercapacitor, you're going to have to recharge the thing. So it's much like talk radio, where if you swear and then swear quickly again, they will have hit the dump button, but it will not have recharged enough and you can get your kill in. Right. So if there are multiple IEDs uh, along a road, you trigger the first one. The force field takes care of that one, but your forward momentum takes you within the range of the second one while you're dead. So you're basically running around looking for a place to charge the vehicle. And, you know, USB ports are so difficult to find. Yeah, it's just kind of like having a Tesla. (laughs) What are you drinking there, by the way? Mm, This is a cognac. Ah. I took the red-eye flight from Los Angeles. So it was uh, L.A. at 11.15 last night, three hours, 37 minutes to Detroit, an hour uh, in Detroit, and then uh, landing in Toronto at... uh, 9.03 9.03 this morning, so I'm a bit... Uh, I have no idea where my soul is. I left it back in L.A. someplace. Well, as long as you didn't leave it in Detroit. No, actually, the Detroit airport, if you've ever been to it, is quite nice. It's a, it's, it's a very pleasant airport. Certainly more pleasant than LAX. That is, uh, it's, it's, it's not a LaGuardia, but it's, it's not great. I know you're a big fan of uh, Tesla, by example. You've got that Porsche... What is it? A Porsche... Cayman S. Cayman S. Yes. Uh, how much is a vehicle of that? I know you're you're leasing the thing because you've got some sort of crazy black accounting process that makes that possible. I do. But those are not cheap cars. No, they're not. They're for people who have uh, self-esteem and ver- issues and various physical shortcomings. <laughs> various physical shortcomings. You make up for it to, with with your automobiles. Yes. Well, I think I found the perfect vehicle for you. Then. Are we talking about this Tron light cycle? Well, if you got 40 grand lying around, it's all yours. This is Blue Leader to Blue Bikes. Run these guys into your jet walls. Copy, Blue Leader. Copy, Blue Leader. This is Gold 1 to Gold 2 and 3. Split up. Take them one on one. Okay, if people remember the original Tron, and for that we have to go back to 1982... And then there was the, the, the video game that I could never master. Oh, yeah, you're right. The stand-up console, the, the, the Tron game. The computer. An extension of the human intellect. The NCOM 511. Center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. Programmed by Master Control to survive by all means. Soon, the ultimate tool become the ultimate enemy. Uh, these light cycles, this light cycle here, looks just like those cycles in the movie and and in the game. And it has a little... I look at it here, and it's a two-wheeled version of that thing 
uh, is it called the rivet that William Shatner's working on? William Shatner's got the rivet, which is three wheels and 500 horsepower. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. It's an engine that just happens to have wheels on it. Yesterday's his birthday, by the way. He's 84. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Yes. So I, I'm looking at one of these things. Question. When he blows out the candles on his birthday cake, does it go... I would imagine so. Sorry. Continue. Yes. Anyway, I like this looking thing. I, I'm not... So it's these spokeless wheels. That's the neat thing about it, eh? So how? And it's all electric, too. It's a 96-volt direct-drive electric motor with lithium batteries. Oh, I see. I, I'm looking for where the wheels fasten to the body, and, and I see the, the little tiny drive units there. Okay. Yeah. But that does look really, really cool. I, I don't think I'd want to ride this in inclement weather. It's quite the crotch rocket, too. You know, if you fell off it, you wouldn't have far to fall. It's only 28 and a half inches off the ground. That's the seat height. Yeah, you are low. You are really... You uh -huh. know, and this kind of looks like a bat cycle. Kind of. Um, this is the Andrews family. They're car collectors, and they're selling the bulk of their vehicle haul, including this custom replica uh, from the film. And they figure that May 2nd, it'll go up for sale, up for auction at Sotheby's, which could fetch anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $40,000. So there's only one of these things? There is only one. It is a custom replica vehicle. 96-volt, direct-drive electric motor, lithium batteries, computer-controlled throttle. Yeah, it's based on uh, the Evolve Motorcycle Corporation's Xenon Tron light cycle replica. 32-inch hubless rims, and it has the OLED light tape. Oh, you gotta have that. So that it glows just like the real thing. For maximum Tron effect, yes. Now, I, I threw this at you before, and Geek Boy is going to test whether or not you retained it. Do you know what Tron means? <laughs> before. I did. I think I threw this at you in episode three. Well, this is episode 99. I, I have no idea. Tron is a computer term. It's a, it's a command for trace on. If you're writing a computer program and you want to find out where the bug is, you add the line T-R-O-N and it will start spitting out the lines of code as it goes through. So when it crashes, you can see where it stopped. And you can also have the companion code for Tron, which is... Go-to? Trough. Trough? Oh, of course. Trace off. Yeah, okay. So I'm terribly disappointed that when they rebooted the film, they didn't call it Trough. Well, because it sounds like something pigsy does. of. <laughs> Tron's much more cool. Well, that's okay. The original light cycle was actually part of the video game that was created by Kevin Flynn, the character in the Tron movie, called Light Cycles. And when he was forced to participate himself, he knew how the game worked, so he exploited its vulnerabilities. See, I've learned something again, apparently. Well, you're just going to forget it all over again. Uh, that cognac just killed it. What were we talking about? London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. 
I think we've figured out how to make money on the big show. This lottery thing. Raffle. Raffle. Let, let's let's not get... Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. This raffle thing. Yeah, we don't want to get in trouble with the law. Well, we're probably already in trouble with the law for this, but this... this, this what are we, raffle thing, where we're giving away the Sonos speaker, the limited edition Sonos speaker. Yeah, the limited edition Blue Note Play 1. This seems to be uh, a hit. It seems to be working for us. Yeah, this is about a $300 gadget, and it can be yours for $1. Uh, we have uh, Patreon, which is the way that a, a lot of podcasts these days are raising money. Uh, uh, Canada Land by Jesse Brown, I think, is raising something in the neighborhood of forty grand an episode or something ridiculous like that. We, uh, as a result of last week launching the four-week-long Blitz, where you have a chance to win this Sonos Play 1 limited edition. They only made 4200 and you have... Uh, number 4,199. Oh, so that's pretty cool because you have the second last one off the line. Oh, I'm just pulling that out of my ass. I don't know if that's really true. Okay, well, uh, sorry. But if you want um, a chance to win it, all you need to do is pledge a dollar for the episode. Now, you don't need to pledge more than a single dollar. It's got a a system set up where you can say, okay, I'm only willing to shell out one dollar. And so that's all well and good. You can set it up that way. Uh, As part of it, you end up becoming a member of the world's worst intern program, uh, which is really how it all comes together. We'll mention you on the big show, that kind of thing. And uh, it's it's really quite successful. One hundred and twenty five bucks is what we're raking in on this week's show as a result of this. That's incredible. All for your and again, if you donate one buck uh, through the Patreon system uh, for the episode, we will put one ticket in the bin. If you donate five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, then we will do that as well. You'll get ten of them. I will once again give my hearty endorsement to Sonos Gear. I have it in my house. I'm still testing it out. It is fantastic. I cannot speak highly enough of this stuff. So if uh, you're looking to wire your home without actually having to wire your home for music and any other, all kinds of other audio, uh, Sonos is the way to go. I'm just so pleased with it. As it stands right now, in addition to um, the uh, interns who have uh, decided they are going to open their wallets wide and support us by uh, shelling out a buck, we've got Charles, Dan Priest, Mac McGinnis, Scott McGregor, Michael Boulay, uh, Brennan Tan, Jordan uh, Ferentz, and uh, Shannon Simpson. Um who I've had a crush on, I think, for 15 years going now. Is this the same Shannon Simpson? Th- this is. Well, she's a good listener. Even Thank goodness wifey's not listening. Well, yeah, my wife doesn't listen to this show either. But the uh, it's very, I commend her for continuing to listen, even though you're a creep. Clearly a creep. Andrew Pop, William Torres, David Nito, uh, Kevin Volkman, Victor Biggio is in there as well. He donated 10 bucks, which means uh, he gets 10 tickets in the raffle for the chance to win the Sonos Play 1. Uh, Darren, Michael, Tom, Matthew Bartram, Dan Dion, and Peter Robel also opened their wallets a, a little while ago. But we also now, as a result of all of this, also have uh, three, not one, but three co-producers on this week's show. What did they do? Uh, well, they shelled out 25 bucks, And if you oh. shell out 25 bucks, not only do you get a credit on the show, uh, and you, we will send you the album art for that week's episode that is suitable for framing and hanging in your parents' basements. So, okay, we're coming up on our 100th show, which is something I never thought we'd ever do. And <laughs> we're actually... What? No, I... Come on, I thought you'd get bored with this before now. But obviously you're not. And obviously we were beginning to strike a chord that's bringing some money in. Actually, you know what? I had a conversation with somebody the other day. 
this is probably best for the boardroom with the rest of the, t- the staff. But I had a conversation uh, with somebody who would be interested in providing us with exclusive retro content in exchange for allowing the podcast to appear on a resurrected site. Do you remember a, a TV show called Night Flights back in the 1980s? <laughs> God, no. What's that all about? Oh, okay. So it was on the USA Network. Just, uh, okay, hang on, hang on. Let's not go there right now. I was talking to the producer. He has uh, reacquired all the rights to the program, and he's looking for interesting, unusual, edgy content. And I told him about the podcast, and he he was going to have a listen. So maybe there's an opportunity for us there. But anyway, we will talk about that later. In addition uh, to the uh, the big show getting all of these show producers, and the show producers are uh, Dan Priest, uh, Grant Ridge, and this week uh, we want to say a special thank you uh, for uh, participating in, in the big show is uh, Keith Karchetsky of uh, Vancouver, Coquitlam specifically, actually, which is a suburb of Van City. Am I right? Uh, sure. He, uh, thanks to his buddy Mike Boulay, is this week's Big Shot co-producer of the show. Apparently, he has a wall in his basement perfect for framing the artwork, and he has a series of permanently mounted holders for album covers, which he swaps out periodically. So this would be perfect. Oh, do you do 12 by 12, right? It's a perfect square. So whatever you want to print off, it'll work. Whatever size you want. Okay. It's definitely high def or high resolution. Good. Good. Very nice. If it was high def, you'd have to be higher def to listen Mm, to the show. Yeah. High or def. Right. So thanks, for Mike, uh, Mike, for helping out uh, and uh, getting uh, Keith hooked up to the show as well. If you want to be a co-producer of the show, in other words, you want to open up your wallet, by all means do so. If you don't, we're happy with that as well. If you go to geeksandbeats.com, you can actually buy some of our swag, which includes the Miracle Travel Mug of Traveling. Which, again, I will endorse as the greatest travel mug of traveling ever created. I use mine every single day. And I love it. If you uh, go to Twitter and punch in GNB Mug Tour 2015, Victor Biggio's got his final original travel mug to Mexico photo. It's a great shot on the beach. Apparently, he's buying a new one because while in a uh, <clears throat> somewhat inebriated state, he accidentally dropped it and cracked it. What? Yep. What did he drop it on? I have no idea. And what was it full of? Well, he won't tell me that either, but it must have been uh, quite the drop because these things are virtually indestructible. They, they, they are. I'm surprised. Oh, God. Yeah. Geeks and Beats listener Andrew Stokely is uh, at the Grand Slam curling, uh, and he's got uh, shots of the guys hurrying hard, and uh, he's got his uh, mug out there as well. So if you want to drop a couple of bucks, a few of them go our way, and then uh, take a photo of your mug in action, uh, join the, all the cool kids because that's what they're doing. I am uh, on my way to Borneo on Friday. Uh, You think I'm making that up, but I'm not. Are you going to bring me back something? Well, I was going to bring you back an orangutan. Ooh. I'm going to the orangutan sanctuary in um, Malaysian Borneo, a place called Sabah. And uh, maybe I'll take the mug and pose with the orangutan holding the mug. That'd be kind of funny, wouldn't it? You saw Every Which Way But Loose, right? The old Clint Eastwood movie? Oh, yeah. That's the kind of monkey we're talking about. Ape we're talking about. Yeah, and it's orangutan, by the way. Orangutan, yes, you're right. Did you say Tang? I know, I'm thinking Wu-Tang Clan. Cut the cord and go to geeksandbeats.com anytime. You'll get the latest episode and links to the stories the boys are talking about. Geeksandbeats.com. Also available on 8-Track and Cassette. So you're headed off to where? I'm going to Malaysian Borneo 
Um, Friday, I fly to Chicago. From Chicago, I go to Seoul. From Seoul, I fly to Singapore, spend some time in Singapore. Then we go to a place called Kota Kinabalu. I hope you guys hit the map first. I'm rooting for you, too. Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. We're going to stop in Singapore for a little bit. And then after Kota Kinabalu, back to Singapore. And then from there, it is off to Shanghai, Tokyo, Chicago, and then home. And then the, we arrive at about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock on uh, Friday, April the 10th. And then at 8 o'clock the following morning, I got to go to Tampa for another one of my NHL meetings. So I'm going to be a bag of hammers. Uh, so the next couple of shows will come from someplace uh, 12 hours out of time zone sync with you. Well, that's not too bad because then it's kind of like morning when everybody else is at night. I, I like to work the overnight shift in radio more so than the morning shift in radio, even though the morning show pays literally 10 times more than what an overnight shift would pay. I will be working the morning shift from Singapore because it is exactly 12 hours difference. Now, is this your way of segueing into uh, American Airlines has to play better music? I'm, I've been doing an awful lot of travel, as we know, since the beginning of the year. One of the things that really offends me, as someone who used to supply in-flight audio entertainment to Air Canada. You are never going to let that go, are you? No, I'm not, <laughs> because I really enjoyed doing it, and I was really cool, you know, hearing and seeing these things as I flew all over the world uh, on, on various Air Canada jets. Uh, I am very, very critical of in-flight audio entertainment, IFEs, as we call them. And one of the things that really annoys me is when you get on a plane, and if you've ever gone on a charter, this is, it's especially bad on a charter, you're on the boarding or disembarking process, and you have this horrible Muzak elevator music, this, this terrible instrumental piano tinkly versions of top 40 hits. It is, it's just, it's not relaxing. It is just really, 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 really annoying. Uh, for example, I flew back from LA this morning on Delta and both aircraft, the 767 to Detroit and the uh, Embraer from, uh, no, sorry, the CJ, uh, the CRJ from, uh, from Detroit to Toronto had re this really bad generic music playing. And I, I ran across this story where, People got very tired of this kind of music being played on American Airlines aircraft. So there was a Twitter campaign. Play better music as we're boarding and disembarking. Air, uh, American Airlines listened. And now when you get on, you hear Bonnie Vare, you hear Haim, and you hear any number of really cool indie bands. So a Twitter forced American Airlines to play better music on their aircraft. So people got people. People spoke out on Twitter, directed everything to uh, American Airlines, who, by the way, monitors Twitter very, very carefully for customer complaints, and they responded. So way to go, American Airlines! Thank you. Remember, though, when you're doing these flights, bring your own headphones. You don't want to spend, as we've discussed on previous episodes, the ten bucks and get the crappy earbuds. And, and of course, they'll just get tangled up the moment you put yeah, them on. You don't want them, and you can throw them out the minute, the minute you get them. Um, but this is the stuff that's being played over the speakers as you get in your seat or leave your seat. So um, I'm very pleased with that. I hope other airlines take uh, take that lead. I am flying this week. I am flying United Asiana Singapore uh, Air China ANA Air Canada. Those are all the airlines I'm flying on my trip. Oh, and uh, also uh, Air Asia. And boy, will your arms be tired. Well, yeah, and I'm flying Air Asia in that corridor where the one went down. Oh, lovely. Yes. So we'll be doing this via Skype from 10,000 feet below the surface. 
Somewhere below the surface of the Java Sea, yes. Uh, you found another alleged solution to the eternal scourge of tangled earbuds. It's, a, it's an Indiegogo campaign, and somebody has come up with these, I guess, add-on devices that will allow you to keep your headphones from being... I'll post the video, and it, the, the title of the video is Snap Buds, truly, the first truly customizable earbud detangler. And the first title card that comes up... The problem nearly one billion of us deal with daily is tangled earbuds. So I'll, I'll leave the video for you there, and you can see exactly what it's all about. But it's talk about first world problems. Well, I know, I know. But you know, one of the things I really hate about walking the dog is it takes me fifteen minutes to get ready to go out because all my earbuds are tangled. Even though I wrap them very carefully and I put them in the drawer by the back door, they all somehow manage to mate and have an orgy, and then I got to pull them all apart. Well, they're already one hundred and ninety-three percent oversubscribed on their eighteen thousand dollar funding goal. This is a problem. It really, really is a problem. It looks like it's something that basically attaches to your iPhone. There's an add-on iPhone case for it that helps you wrap the cord around your iPhone in a manner that prevents it from getting tangled, and then it uses the headphone jack for a little doodad that keeps the earbuds themselves anchored in place. It looks rather complicated but i mean i don't know how you it also looks like um they've got marketing in mind because it's got uh, the ability to put logos on the little add-ons that keep the the cables organized yeah they kind of look like charms on a charm bracelet which is really sexy for your macho man in the gym yeah but then if you put you know your favorite sports team on there or some other, you know, your college, favorite college team or, or whatever, it, it kind of softens the blow a little bit. this week on a journal of musical things.com the decline of the professional recording studio even abbey road needs help here's the problem with running a recording studio right now you used to need a studio to make a professional sounding album that's no longer the case you and i could do this in our bedrooms with the availability of microphones and uh, pcs or macs uh, there is no way it, if, if you wanted to you could make a pretty good sounding record in your bedroom or in your basement. There's there's one thing I don't have. I have all that gear. There's only one thing I don't have. Talent. Well, besides that, let's just assume that that's... <laughs> hasn't stopped some. Let's take that as red. Uh, so you don't need to spend hundreds of dollars an hour renting a expensive recording studio. And as a result, a lot of recording studios have gone out of business. Uh, a lot of the big ones... In the U.S. that used to be, in New York City that used to be huge, uh, in, is, it, a lot of them are gone. Sound City, of course, famously in San Fernando Valley, that's gone. Olympic Studios in, in London, that's gone. Um, and what a lot of the studios who still exist, they need to supplement their revenue streams by doing something else. For example, Metalworks in Mississauga runs Metalworks Institute, which is a uh, audio, video, media 
school. Abbey Road's doing this too, isn't it? They're creating the Abbey Road Institute, which again is a school that's designed to bring money into the studio if all the rooms are not booked. There are three rooms at Abbey Road. There's Studio 3, which is the small one. Studio 2, which is the middle-sized one. That's where Pink Floyd and Oasis and the Beatles did all their work. And then there's Studio 1, which is capable of holding a 65 piece orchestra. And that's great for doing things like movie soundtracks and all the rest of it. But these studios aren't always booked. And Abbey Road is in St. John Wood, St. John's Wood, a very expensive part of London. It's a huge, huge facility. And the amount of money that is required to update a professional recording studio with new equipment on a regular basis is absolutely crushing. So a lot of these studios can't afford to continue to upgrade because they're not being uh, rented out the way they used to be. In fact, if you don't need a big room for drums, for acoustic drums, you really don't need to rent a recording studio anymore. Um, or if you 65 piece orchestra, well, you need to. But, you know, if you're in a band, if you're a singer songwriter, you don't really need to rent one of the big studios. So they're thinking they have decided that they're going to create the Abbey Road Institute. And uh, they're going to charge a lot of money for people to come in and learn how to be audio engineers, audio producers, audio whatever, um, using the same equipment, tools, and rooms that uh, some of the biggest uh, names in music have used, which I think is really cool. The next open house is May 16th. Ever wanted to be a big shot co-producer? It's just like Hollywood. Visit geeksandbeats.com to learn how you can pad your resume with an exciting show credit. We'll even send you the album cover of your episode, suitable for framing in your parents' basement. What was it you said you were drinking there? You were drinking a cognac? This is a cognac. I. It is a... Uh... Is it a VSOP or XO? I think it's an XO that I bought. I don't Caribbean. know what any of that means. XO is better than VSOP. On the Geeks and Beats uh, Facebook page, I posted the Soma Bar $430 robotic bartender. What? Look at this thing. Uh-huh. So, what does it do? It's the, the Keurig of craft cocktails, as Engadget describes it. It's a countertop device. It, it basically looks like a, an oversized coffee maker. And uh, it uh, was started off as a Kickstarter campaign in November of last year. And in under five seconds, it claims to be able to craft the perfect cocktail without the need for a strainer, a shaker, or anything like that. And all you need to do is punch in what you want, and it will give it to you in a few seconds flat. Okay, this is dangerous. If we had one here in the studio, that would be a bad idea. Well, it's 430 bucks. We've got that in the kitty. We should probably pick one up and see what happens. Well, we should test it. Absolutely. By all means. Yeah, it ships in July. Oh, it's not going to... Sh- no, hang on. Yeah, it ships in July. Okay, so we've got a little while to wait. We have to wait a little bit. Uh, according to Engadget, they tested a prototype uh, that is close to what ultimately it will look like. 750 milliliter clear plastic cylinders are on the side. Uh, they call them somapods. And this is where I think it starts to get nasty because you're familiar with Keurig uh, coffee pods, right? Right, and everybody is complaining about the coffee pods being an environmental scourge. Not only an environmental scourge, but a uh, rights management scourge. If you've got version two of the Keurig, you can't put generic Keurig coffee pods into it like you could with the original because it now scans the pod to make sure that it is Keurig only. So people have been getting around it by taking the top of a Keurig pod and taping it to the generic pods so that it'll still work. That used to happen with me and my refilled 
inkjet cartridges. Yes. Because if I didn't use the expensive Canon ones and I went down the street to Think Refill and got one, it would reject it originally mm -hmm. as being a counterfeit. So instead of paying $12.95 for a refilled you know, Black 26, I would have to go back to Staples and get you know, one for $24.95. The real thing, right? Exactly. So oh, I didn't know that. That's that's sneaky. It is. And so this is this is a concern for the industry in a very big way because it's taking advantage of the digital rights management that's built into the Digital Rights uh, Digital Management Copyright Act, the DMCA, I think it is. Uh, Amber Healy, our, our writer at geeksandbeats.com, would, would know a lot more about this than I would. So this is a DMCA situation? The gist is, is that they've been successfully suing companies that are bringing them down that have been making generics claiming that you're violating their copyright by making generic pods you're kidding yeah. me no i'm not oh i see now when you think dmca you automatically think cds mp3s um dvds stuff that genuinely needs copyright that can be protected so what keurig can do now is because they're the only ones who can make their pod legally they can jack up the price on you isn't that fascinating yeah ah well see now uh, the most expensive substance in the universe right now is inkjet ink. More so than blood or oil. Yeah. And so they're trying to take coffee down that route. Interesting. So, yeah. Now, I, I'm not saying that Soma Bar is, is doing this as well. It is sort of uh, inferred when you read the article from Engadget that uh, they might be having some sort of licensing ambition because they've got these cylinders that uh, attach to the side. And instead of filling them up yourself, you might want to buy them automatically and have it mix your necessary stuff. The thing is, is that you're still going to have to fill it with some of the things. And you can't literally put a, a cherry uh, in the machine. You've got to manually do some of this stuff. So for 430 bucks, I think I'd, I'd rather just mix it myself. I, I think I would, too, because I, you know, how bad of a day do I have to have so that I need my drink in five seconds? <laughs> you know, and this is just going to take up space next to my coffee maker. And I can just see me pressing the wrong button at seven o'clock in the morning and ending up with a martini instead of, uh, you know, some medium Columbia. Yeah. A uh, Geeks and Beats update, by the way, uh, on last week's episode where we were talking about my experience at the Kennedy Space Center. We got it with some really solid positive reaction to that. So if you wrote into me, thank you very much for sharing, uh, because I'm, I'm clearly not the only one who gets emotional at, at the thought of space flight in general. But it had me uh, um, talking a lot about it with a lot of different people. And they were asking me, would you go to Mars on that Mars One program. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the one-way trip. Maybe that's the Mars One, the one in the one-way trip. Um, according to uh, iFuckingLoveScience.com, it's all a scam. Well, how? Why? Well, the Mars One project um, allegedly had 200,000 people say they wanted to sign up for this one-way trip in which only 10 people could actually go. But the thing is, is to sign up, you had to pay money. And uh, according to Joseph Roach, who is at Trinity College, a former NASA researcher, he became one of the 100 finalists uh, in, uh, to live in the permanent settlement on Mars. He says it wasn't 200,000 applicants. It was 2,761 applicants. And that the qualifying criteria to make it in the top 100 for the top 10 was money. Oh, no. 
Really? Uh, he got a medical exam, but took this quiz over, over Skype, uploaded a video, completed a questionnaire, and he said that there was never a multi-day regional interview and that all the people who managed to make it in the top 100 were people who donated more money because as you participate in the process, you get points. And you get points for things like the medical exam and all of that, but you also get points based upon how much money you donate. Really? So the more money you donated, the more points you got, the higher your point level, the more likely you were to get bubbled up to the top. I don't want to say this sounds like Scientology or or anything, but it sounds... Like Scientology. Okay, a bit weird. Yeah, well, maybe there's a volcano on Mars and it'll explode and the spaceship will land in it and all of our souls will be sucked into it. Oh, that's Olympus Mons. Yeah, that's going to happen. Ah, dear. They were hoping to generate $6 billion dollars from a reality show based upon the Mars One experiment. Right. And it's six billion dollars. And it's all a fake. That's according to uh, Roach, uh, a former advisor to the project. Uh, was a theoretical physicist by the name of Gerard Hooft. He said that the realistic launch date isn't 10 years from now, like they're saying. It's, it's more like years. 100 yeah. years from now. Yeah, and we're nowhere near. I mean, we've barely got that Orion thing happening, and there's just so much going on that we haven't figured out yet how to get how to, how to get there in the first place, and then how to, well, you know, how to supply everybody, how to keep everybody happy on the trip over, you know, whether or not you can have sex in space. All these things are very important. We haven't figured it out. Hey, speaking of sex. Oh. Oh, yes, Taylor Swift. <laughs> stop, stop snoozing. I should stop. and the flirty, flirty guys at the club, you could have been getting down to eat, pray, love. My last night could have gone all right. Now I'm like, oh my God. So I'm just going to sleep until the fella over there with hella back hair. Once you get up out my bed and let me sleep, sleep, sleep. Yeah. Cause the fella's going to creep. For the longest time, we had the standard upper-level internet domains. We drew .com, .net, .org, .gov, .edu, and we had to make do with those. But over the last couple of years, a whole new raft of top-level domains have come out. .info, .rocks. .sucks. And it was... it's. See, here's the thing, is that the ICANN, or whoever is in charge of this, wants you to buy as many uh, internet domains with your name... Uh, associated with it so that everybody can make a lot more money. So if they had .xxx or .porn or .adult, you can bet that they were thinking, hmm, maybe we'll get some celebrities to buy these domains so that nobody else does, which is exactly what happened with Taylor Swift. She registered taylorswift.porn and taylorswift.adult. 
Right. Mm-hmm. These TLDs, as they call them, top-level domains, can cost $2,500 a piece. Yeah, I think the .xxx ones are really expensive. And that's to make sure that people don't do things like, you know, uh, pick an actress here, .xxx. The original intent of the .xxx was to create an internet red light district more than anything else. Yeah, it was to, to get a wise porn on the internet. Right, so you would have these companies shift from being .coms to .xxx's, and then you would just tell your computer, if it's a X, I don't want my kid having any access to it whatsoever. It right. didn't end up that way because they realized there'd be far more money to be made instead of migrating these guys from .coms to .xxx's to just giving anybody a .xxx whoever they wanted. Right, and the uh, the porn people uh, fought it because they didn't want to be getaways. Exactly. So th- this is a pretty smart thing on her behalf to do. Well, it, it's 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 preemptive. I mean, if if you know she's one of the biggest stars in the world right now, and if I can see somebody wanting to go and uh, grab, you know, Taylor Swift dot porn, uh, it would get a lot of traffic. A ton of traffic. She's just going to, uh, she's just protecting herself, that's all. I noticed, though, that while she registered TaylorSwift.porn and TaylorSwift.adult, she didn't register TaylorSwift.sucks. Do you want to go and register it now? (laughs) Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.